Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. This is Darren. Today, we're going to be talking about and celebrating our 150th episode of Meepletown and five years of Meepletown. We're going to be talking about games we've been playing lately. We're going to be talking about some news and then explaining and listening to you why we feel like community is important and why we are seeking to build community through board gaming. This is episode 150. Residents of Meepletown, if you were here right now, you would see Dean in his I Heart Meepletown t-shirt, sparklers on his head, and in his hands, a giant cake with 150 candles and Johnny Meepletown's face on it. Because we are celebrating 150 episodes, five years of Meepletown. Wow, Dean, what a ride. I've only been here for a few months, so I can't say a whole lot about this, but uh, but I've listened to all five years and all 150 episodes. How does it feel? <laughs> in the words of you used this joke recently in the words of owen wilson wow <laughs> that was good i've used it a lot in the That's last pretty... several weeks by the way i can't help it ever since loki came back on disney plus i've been doing that <laughs> nonstop. it's crazy uh it is it's a little bizarre honestly i've been doing some reflecting lately and had you had you said dean in five years, whenever we started Meepletown, in five years, you're still going to be doing this and you're going to be 150 episodes into it. I would have said, not likely, probably not, at least not with John. And <laughs> here we are, not with John. And and it is 150 episodes into it. That is, it is, okay, I'm joking around about it. It's, it is a big deal. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. That is a lot. It's It's a lot of effort, a lot of tears a lot of uh, <laughs> sweat and blood all of those things it it th- you know it's it is a decent amount of work that we put into all of it you know with the website with the podcast with youtube all of that and we do less youtube which is is fine you know focusing more on the podcast lately has been has been okay with me but it is it's a big deal and to see kind of where we've grown in that time has been pretty neat so i, I look back darren and I was looking at the, let's see, the very first episode. I was listening to part of that episode. And uh, mm-hmm. have you have you listened to the? Have I've you listened, listened to all of them. The, yeah. okay. I've listened to okay. all. Yeah. Recently, so I don't know. Within the last year, I listened to episode one. I think it was whenever where John was leaving, and just for nostalgia's sake. And then this week, I listened to some of it too. And it was, it wasn't our best effort, but it was. It's funny to see kind of where we've come during that since that time. But the first episode. On the very first day, do you know how many, how many downloads we had on that first day? I mean, I know because you put it in the show notes, but. <laughs> <laughs> we had two, two downloads the first day. My guess is it was probably John and myself. That is... <laughs> no, it's not. Not even your parents. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, but then the second day we had a few more, a few more. And then day nine and 10, day nine, we had 21 episodes or 21 downloads. And then day 10, we had 18 downloads. Now, at this time, we were doing an uh, episode every two weeks. And so it's grown and grown ever since then. So now our first day typically gets between four and 500 uh, downloads, usually, uh, roughly, uh, which is, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, that, yeah. that's a, a lot of growth. And, you know, obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot of room for growth there. And there's much bigger podcasts out there. But for us, I feel, I feel pretty accomplished. I feel like that's a good, I don't know. It's good, right? 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think again, I'm, I'm super happy to be to be proud of this and following in the in the footsteps of of Johnny Meepletown because you two have done uh, a lot of good work. I know you talked about a lot of the a lot of the tears and everything, but there's also been lots of laughs and 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 good friends built along the way. And you know, our, our tagline being building community through board gaming. Um, I feel like you, you all have done a lot of that in the last five years, and and I hope that we get to continue to to do that for at least another five more you know, and then, and then beyond, and we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just there's always room to grow there for sure. But, um, but yeah, we, we definitely do want to do more things to create community. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but I I did want to real, real fast since I did mention YouTube and I am putting out some videos for YouTube. It's interesting because I was thinking about numbers since I was looking back on the numbers and the, the way our, pod Podbean works is we can't necessarily go back and look at all of the numbers because it only kind of holds them for two years at a time but it was interesting looking at you know some of our I, I can look at the most downloaded episodes so this uh, episode 143 which is one that we just put out not that long ago was our most downloaded episode that was the top board games uh, top 10 so one through 10 of this year and then the second most downloaded episode was last year's top 10. And then before that, it was uh, top 10 board. I'm sorry. The second most was top 10 board games of 2022, followed by the top 10 of all time released in 22. And then top five anticipated Spiel games for this year. So it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of the you know, growth is happening even in the more recent episodes that have released. But one thing that I did want to point out, this, is, this goes to YouTube, and I'll be fast about this. Part of the reason why YouTube becomes a little bit trickier than a podcast is because there's a little bit more chasing that has to happen for that growth to happen that I've seen. Now, one of it is you really do need to release a lot of content for YouTube to get uh, to grow that community. I, I saw somebody recently talk about the growth that's happened in the past year, which has been great, but they've released three videos a week, which I we don't have time for that. Right. Honestly, we with doing the podcast, there's no way that we can do that, especially because we, we've increased our output for the podcast. But on top of that, I'm looking at our top downloaded YouTube videos. It's the Pan Am review, the top 10 worker placement, which is, you know, that's it. It makes sense. There are 2021 top 50 of all time, uh, Aeon Zen, Zombicide app, Nanny Narking, Wingspan app, and then Kalis 1303. So outside of those top 10 releases. The ones that have gotten the most downloads are ones that we get access, that we've gotten access to before anyone else. And so we were able to release content before anybody Mm. else. And then it went bonkers. Because some people will look at our numbers and say, wow, Pan Am, really? That's your most downloaded video. Well, we got it a long time before other people. And so once we got the content out, it's not that we did anything different. It's not like it was an amazing video. It's just the the release of it. Uh, Aeon Zen was, was another one of those that we just got access to the, uh, whatever that one was. It was one of the expansions, like it's standalone expansion boxes that we got up way before anyone else released content. Actually, I did that solo video and it's one of the worst videos I've ever done. I've, I've made a <laughs> lot of mistakes in that, but it's still one of our most downloaded videos because of the, the way that it released. So in our, our current state, we're not chasing any of that. We just, we don't really have the, we have full-time jobs, we have families, we have lots of things going on. We can't chase all of that. But just so you know, that that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to continue to release videos 
but for the time being, I don't anticipate that being an area of, of superb growth in the near future. So my takeaway from this are three things. One, people love the new hotness, the early new hotness. People love top lists. And lastly, you love guilting me into making some YouTube videos. Fine, Dean. I hear you. I'll start putting some out. Good heavens. I got a job and a family, man. Back off. I'll do what I can. Well, the funny thing is, you know, uh, we we recorded our top 10. I just never did any of the editing for it. Um, I started doing the first video. I've also got some computer issues. My computer is a bit slower than it was a few years ago when it was much easier to put out content. And so it really is difficult. Um, yeah, it's difficult for me to even like edit videos because my computer is, is slower. I, I probably should get a new computer to help with that at some point. Right now, that's not in the budget. So we'll just see how things work out in the future. <laughs> We're just trying to pay bills, man. <laughs> Speaking of paying bills, I did want to have a, a couple of um, uh, announcements, I guess, kind of before we get started. One is we wanted to thank Rob Stevenson for buying us some coffee. We've been making some pleas lately about paying the bills, specifically Woo-hoo. for our Podbean hosting costs that are coming up. And Rob stepped up to the plate and and pitched in, and we really are thankful for that. Thanks, um, Rob, for keeping the mics on for us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the other thing I want to make an announcement about, and this is... This one's tough, honestly, um, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more later when we talk about community. But uh, a friend of Meeple Town, and uh, honestly, more importantly, a friend of mine, Topher Graves passed away this past um, this past weekend. And this actually, we were supposed to record before we got that news, um, but we had to delay the recording. And uh, Topher has uh, found out he had cancer and had. Limited time to live, although um, it, he went much faster um, than than at least our group had anticipated. And it was a, as as BJ said, it was a gut punch. Um, Topher has become a, a great friend, somebody who even outside the group reaches out to encourage. It, you've heard me talk about him a lot on the podcast of somebody I game a lot with online, but also through my weight loss journey, Topher and uh, Steve O'Rourke were two of my biggest cheerleaders anywhere. And, uh, I am just heartbroken to say the least. Topher is, uh, uh, that was tough. That was tough. Topher has been, like I said, a great friend and just a great human being. And you hate to see that. So Topher, you will be missed in Meeple Town, but, uh, also beyond Meeple Town in, in the world. The world is, as again, as BJ said, a bit dimmer with the loss of you. We will miss you greatly. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, um, we're going we're gonna to move on to uh, a couple recent plays. I'm going to start this one off, Darren, because I put this game in here actually because of Topher. Um, my mm. wife and I were talking and my kids were asking about Topher. They, I, I was I, in tears you know, crying this weekend and um, wanted to tell my, my kids about Topher and, and um, what he's meant to me. And, and my wife has already known what he's meant to me, but... One of the things that um, that my family wanted to do is play a game that uh, that Topher would have liked to play with me, and I, I thought that was really kind, really nice of them to offer that. And my wife has actually also been battling COVID, and so she's not able to play. But from afar, she was cheering us on. But my boys and I got to play 
Return to Dark Tower, which is a restorations game and one that Topher uh, enjoyed as, as a cooperative game. And so in Return to Dark Tower, this is an app-driven game brought out by Restoration Games where you are trying to defeat the big baddie, which is the the presence of the tower. And uh, so you have to defeat all these bad guys out on the board. You're also trying to keep corruption out of the out of the land and and then at some point complete the quest that you need to be able to to fight the big boss baddie at the end of the game to win and first off have you played this since you're a huge restoration games fan is this one that's made your list i have not this is one that i would like to play i know you know you have it let's throw it on the pile but it's not one that I've ever played. But because of restoration, because of all the many wonderful designers that are part of it, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm very interested in playing this one at some point. Yeah, I will say throw this one on the pile, but not one that we're going to play in a public space because it takes <laughs> up a lot of room. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a big, big table hog. In fact, we've got our gaming table, and it was still pretty tight putting that on there. And it's it's kind of a weird setup too. You you don't have to play four players, but it's set up so that four players sit on one of each side of the circle or one of the the cardinal directions of the board, and you're you're mostly kind of containing your kingdom uh, of of the board. You've got the north, south, east, and west. But even with a three player game or a two player game, you can still control and and take care of things that are going on in those other territories. You can move around to different kingdoms. It's just I think it's a better four-player experience. Three U's, still phenomenal. Still love this game. We made it to the boss character. And then I was pushing my luck because you can, when you fight the boss character, you can fight it and you're going to have to fight it uh, however many times the card says. This one, we had to fight it five times. I beat it once and then I had a chance to retreat or keep battling it. And I decided to keep battling it and we lost because it's put out corruption onto the board. but. It was still a great experience. This was the first time the boys had played this with me, and they both really enjoyed it and played mm-hmm. again. And that's a big deal because this was a two-hour game. It's not a it's not a quick game. They want to play it again. I I love this game so much. I've I got all the expansion stuff for it as well, and at some point I'll get all of that to the table. But I've not played even with the the expansion. I played with the miniature expansion, which is just like the miniatures instead of cardboard tokens. But as far as the new content, I've not played with any of it. And my Kickstarter just came in not that long ago. So I'm excited to get some of that other stuff to the table. You got to play this one. Can't throw it on the pile, but you really need to get this one played, Darren. You would love this. Yeah, I think I would. Would you compare it to a particular type of a cooperative dungeon crawly tower attacky kind of game? Or is this really its own unique deal? And you can't say you would compare it to Dark Tower because that's cheating. No, I would say, yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a restored <laughs> version of Dark Tower, but... I would say, honestly, this is maybe a terrible comparison, pandemic, um, because okay. it, the way that you're going around, but it's so much more than pandemic. It's right. It's got a lot more going on, but you are going around cleaning up corruption. That's a big part of the game in the same way that you're you know, cleaning up the disease cubes on the board and pandemic. But this also adds battling monsters, which I guess you see in the, uh, oh, what's the name <clears> of that game? <throat> It's it's lost on me. Um, I'm sorry, I cleared my throat there because I thought you were about to uh, say something that might be a spoiler for something else. So please forgive that audio. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, 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 no. It is uh, Defenders of the Realm. That's the game I was thinking of. Maybe it's most similar to that, but again, it's still so, so different. So different than even that. It's its own thing, man. It's like David Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I love Return to Dark Tower, and I'll play this anytime. Really, the more I play this, this probably should be a top 50 game for me, and maybe it will make that list, but ah, it's so good. I That's love I love restoration games, I think. They're one of my favorite publishers. Yeah, we're going to do a top five publisher list here soon. I've got to think. Well, I know you don't want to throw this one on the pile because it might break the pile. Um, but I would like to play this because of its table presence. Good old Return to Dark Tower. But the game that I want to talk about today also has its own unique table presence. And I'm... And I, I'm, uh, I'm Switching gears here. I'm calling an audible. This is not the game I told Dean I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. I was like, this game does not, actually. It's, <laughs> it's pretty no, bland looking. No, okay. we're going to be talking about The Fuzzies. The Fuzzies Ooh, okay. is a 2021 uh, game designed by Wolfgang Varsh, of all people, along with Justin Vickers and Alex Hagee, and uh, published by CMYK Games. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, building community and what are some easy games that kind of help bring people together and give you the warm fuzzies. And I feel like this is, this is part of it. You know, this is just a simple Jenga style game. That's not wooden blocks. It's these little staticky different colored cotton balls basically is what it looks like. And you, <laughs> they come in a big cup and you stack them up um, on this tower and they're sticking together and you've got these tweezers you can use or not use. And there's also a deck of cards that one side has different colors. You're going to shuffle them all together. One side has a different color. Whatever color is on top of that deck tells you what type of fuzzy you have to remove from the tower and place somewhere else higher up on the tower. And that's simply how you play. If you drop that fuzzy, you've still got to place it. If you knock other fuzzies off, then you draw, depending on how many you knock off, will determine how many of those cards you know have to draw uh, up to a maximum of three and flip over and put in front of you because each of them underneath have some kind of challenge you will have to undergo to remove your next fuzzy on your next turn. So it might be something like, you know, you have to cover one eye when you remove the next fuzzy, which of course, you know, can mess with the death perception. You may have to uh, place the next fuzzy on the very tippy top of the tower. You may have to somehow make this, this elephant like trunk shape with your arms to remove the fuzzy from it's all different ways. And of course it kind of like a Jenga, you play until the tower falls or until somebody knocks off a very significant amount of fuzzies, like 10 or more. And then that's game. And you just, it's, it's silly, goofy fun that everyone just seems to enjoy. And it brings a smile to their face. Uh, every time I've brought this out and taught it to people, uh, people have laughed and they've looked it up on Amazon, you know, or some other place and tried to try to buy it. It's not very expensive. It's just a good, cheap, easy, warm, fuzzy way to have some fun. But you've not played the fuzzies yet, have you? No, and I got to be honest, I don't know if I have a desire to. <laughs> I'm bringing it, I'm putting it on the pile. <laughs> you can't force this game on me, Darren. Um, I don't know. I, sure. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's fun. I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Well, and, and again, I know for, for me, this was a purchase, but for most people, you know, in our past player purchase, um, you know, I would say this is definitely a play for everybody. For me, it was a purchase. I had a gift card. I picked it up. And it, it didn't cost me anything really except some time, but I'm really glad I've done it because my girls don't always play games w with me and my wife and they enjoyed playing this one. 
And then we were over at a friend's house watching the Michigan-Purdue game the other day. And at halftime, we broke this out. And it was a great, fun way to pass the time. And they've got little kids, and they enjoyed it. So it's um, well, good. It's a blast. I'm glad you, I am not going to yuck your yum. It's just, I don't know if I'm super excited about playing this one. It is interesting that it is a a Wolfgang-Vorsch game. Um, he, although he's designed lots of different types of games, so I guess it, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. It's not just him, by the way. It's correct. others. others correct. So. Yep, yep. But, and again, like I said before, he has his party games just always so unique and quirky, and you you either love them or you just can't. You know, you've got no time for them. So. Uh, yeah. But this is, this is one of them. Okay. Well, good, good for you and the fuzzies. <laughs> and uh, I, it's kind of interesting. I mean, the designer... Uh, Justin Vickers also did Wavelength and Monikers, which are really right. big. Spots is one that you really enjoy, if I remember right. Yep, yep. Um, anyway, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'd, if you threw it on the pile, I wouldn't be sad if we had a few minutes to play this one. It might be might surprise me. And the fact that you talked about a, a Wolfgang Vorsch game without talking about Taverns of Tiefenthal <laughs> makes me very happy. Very now happy. you've talked about it. Would you like to explore it a little more? <laughs> All right, yeah, what's this I'm getting in my ear, see? It's the news. <laughs> Let's get on to Meepletown News. Meepletown News. Okay, Darren, we are going to go through some quick news stories here that I think both of us are a little bit jazzed about. What's the difference between the Jazz Club and news? Well, news doesn't necessarily have to be something that we're jazzed about. And often, not always, it typically is stuff that's coming out a little bit later, Um Again, not always, but we can have news that we're not excited about. But we might think Meepletown is excited about. Here's what I think. I'm going to start off with my new, my first news item. This is one I don't really know how jazz I am about this. This wasn't. I, it's not on my jazz list. How about that? No, 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 no. Hang on now. You okay. you messaged me and you said like how super stoked you were. We goes. I caught dibs on this bit of news. I had no clue what you were talking about. Don't don't lie and tell the people that you're not jazzed about this little piece of news. I'll tell you why I'm not jazzed about when we get to this. Okay. Is a a come on games game called the Dead Keep. Okay, this is the only thing that we know. Let me let me read this. We're thrilled to announce a new and upcoming game, the Dead Keep, created by the extraordinary artistry of Paul Bonner. Okay, that that is one point that I don't know if I'm excited about right off the bat. Is it cre- is the game created by the artist Paul Bonner? Paul Bonner is a phenomenal artist, one that did Trude von Legends, which is a big, big reason why I backed that in the first place was because of the artwork. Has also done stuff for Magic the Gathering, which I would imagine has done a lot of stuff for Magic the Gathering. I don't know that for sure, but I know a lot of people know who he is. And my guess is it's probably because of that and not from, you know, Zombicide characters or things like that, which I also love the art in the character packs that he's done. So I don't know if he's designed this game more than likely not more than likely. He's just done the art, which is it's his art. No doubt on the box. I mean, you look at it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's Paul Bonner. It's, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful, but it says legends whisper of the deep keep in a cursed fortified city on a remote Island. Many have entered follows the rumors of unimaginable riches and secrets of immortality, but none have returned. Dun, dun, dun until now. And that's where we start this cooperative dungeon crawl. That's what this is, a cooperative dungeon crawl of us going to this remote island of terror. Not like terror and like, you know, horror things, but 
of just stuff, unimaginable riches and secrets of immortality. And then all these cool monsters and trolls and stuff like that. So I am, I guess, maybe a little excited. There's not (laughs) enough about this. It's not, it doesn't even have a BGG entry yet. So I don't really know exactly how I feel about it. Although I love the art. That's all I know. It is, it's given me, okay, there's two things about this that I find interesting. One, when you have a game that's based off somebody else's art, somebody else's art, I immediately think of um, Scythe, that world that Stonemaier Games has done uh, with Jakob right now. His last name escapes me. But the the art, that game, Scythe, and all and now Expeditions, all came from Jamie being expired, inspired by the art of this one particular artist. So it's got some possibilities there. But as I look at this, and as I think about Simon's releases that are not um, zombie side or, you know, part of the Lang trilogy or whatever. I'm feeling this is going to end up being like that. Um, oh, what was the Camelot game? The game about King Arthur that did not have Arthur. Yes. Mordred. This is going to give me some of that type of vibe where there's going to be a big, you know, big hyped push at the beginning. And then it's going to kind of land with a, with a, with a thud, not a big splash, but more like a pebble bloop. So but I we'll hope see. not. I hope not for for Paul Bonner's sake, because he really is an incredible, talented, incredibly talented artist, and I want to see that used for a good game. Trudvon Legends has not gotten a ton of just great epic reviews. However, the the world is cool. The world is really cool, and it's not like the board game didn't start it. I think it was an RPG before the board game came out, or something like that. But the art is just, it's so cool. I want something neat to be made out of that. And so maybe this will will fit that. Yeah, will fit the bill. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But that I did want to announce that because I am, I guess, maybe a little bit excited about it. But I'm also a little reluctant based on maybe some of the more recent releases. Yeah. What do you got? Well, thinking about that, you know, again, I think about Simon, if it's not Eric Lang, if it's not Zombicide, and if it's not Marvel, I'm not sure if it's going to do a whole lot because Marvel tends to be a game changer for most companies, <laughs> unless you're already a mega company as it is. But th- this is some interesting news that I came across last week, and that is that the Marvel heroes, lands, and stories are now coming to, drum roll, please. Dr- drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful (laughs) marvel's coming to magic the gathering folks i know uh, dean wants to make this a collectible card game podcast i'm trying to fight that off but i had to throw him this bone here to talk about magic the gathering and that how marvel is now coming to it Uh, this is a multi-year multi-set deal that apparently has been years in the making the, the, the Marvel sets are going to be part of their universes beyond products like the Lord of the Rings, which calls lots of stir, the Doctor Who, the Fallout. It's going to be part of that world. And apparently the first set, there's, there's not a whole lot of information out there necessarily. Um, so we can speculate a lot, but the first set is supposed to come out in 2025, which feels like forever away. I know 2024 is right around the corner, but still 2025 feels like way out there and a multi-year multi-set. I think they appear to be in this for the long haul. Uh, when you heard this, Dean, what did you think or feel? I I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Magic the Gathering player. 
what I'm hearing from the Magic the Gathering community of people that I know talking about this is that there's just too much. There's too much Magic the Gathering mm. coming out. It's hard to keep up with. People are getting very frustrated. Shops, I think, are getting frustrated because they're releasing sets and then and then releasing sets before that set releases that affects the set that's about to come out, which makes sales worse and people are losing money and all of that. That's those are these are things that I've heard from the industry. Hmm. Uh, who knows? I don't know what's true in all of this. I, I don't know. I tend to think if you don't like it, just don't get it. But, I, you know, <laughs> but there's a lot of Magic the Gathering players out there, players out there, and people love Marvel. So I think that's probably a good thing. It'll be interesting to see if it has some of the same features as Lord of the Rings, as in, you know, Lord of the Rings had the one ring card, my guess. And I told Darren this and he thinks it's wrong, but I think they're going to have something like the Infinity Stones. And you're only going to have one Infinity Stone, so you have, you know, what what is it, six six Infinity Stones? Is that right? Yeah. So you'll have six cards out there in existence, and then you know maybe there's a gauntlet or something. So if somebody buys up all those, it's going to be in the millions of dollars. But I I don't know. I think there'll be some sort of excitement around that. I didn't realize it releases in 2025 though. I that's a long time from now. Yeah. It's always, and I hate even talking about stuff that's that far out. But just because it's kind of breaking and, and Magic's numbers, I don't think have been great here lately. And I don't know if like the thing you're talking about is contributing to that or not. But um, but yeah, it makes you it makes you wonder. And and I do think the Infinity Stones are going to be a big part of this. But I disagree. I think with the multiverse, there's going to be multiple Infinity Stones. Maybe they're going to be if you had to make a Disney Lorcana comparison, maybe they'll be like the Enchanted cards. They'll be that rare. But um, you're going to have multiple ones. I mean, if you look at the no, no spoilers if you've not watched any Loki, but by the way, if you've watched the Loki series, Infinity Stones are so common in some parts of the universe, they're basically paperweights. So, you know, <laughs> that can go either way. <laughs> oh, interesting. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. We'll, we'll yeah, follow yeah. that, I'm sure, more in the future. Yeah. Do you have any other news? I do. One that actually this... Yeah potentially could have made my jazz list, especially after I just got done playing Letters from Whitechapel. This is one of the games that we played on my birthday celebration. And listener Stephen and I talked about this after we played it. We both really like Letters from Whitechapel. That was my first time playing it. I liked it quite a bit. I'm looking forward to more plays of it. It played much better than I I imagined it would. I thought it was going to be too close to Scotland Yard, but it's very different. It's its own thing. It's it's really good. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite of those, but that's not what the news is about. The news is about Penny Dreadfuls of Victorian London. Now, first off, I didn't know what Penny Dreadfuls were, but they are these short, illustrated periodicals. This is you know directly from their news that sold. They, they came out in the late eighteen hundreds that sold for one penny, which is why they're called the uh, the Penny Dreadfuls. And um, they they had like these really popular themes uh, that were, you know, that, that they shared in these different stories, which is um, tales of terror and things like that. So I, I think that's pretty neat. It's by the same designer, obviously by the same artist. Um, if you look on here, it's got the same team that worked together for Letters from Whitechapel. It looks very similar to the box cover of that. I don't know how much of this is a follow-up or they're just kind of leaning into the fact that that Letters from Whitechapel is a is a you know it's a game loved by a lot of people but I don't think maybe I maybe I don't know enough about this. It's not fully cooperative, I know that. Um 
but I don't think that it is going to be the same style of game. I think they're just kind of leaning into, you know, what they've already done with Letters from Whitechapel. But I'm I'm intrigued by this one. This is actually I just got an email from Asmodee not that long ago about this one, but it is releasing this year, the best I can tell. And it'll be one that I will want to pick up at some point. But I don't know a lot about it yet. I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I love the uh, the idea behind this. I've been listening a lot to um, here lately on Audible, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which is uh, narrated by Stephen Fry. So that's been a real blast. I've kind of been mm. in that that mindset here lately. So this kind of, again, the art and everything, the theme and all that kind of being set in that world seems interesting to me. I just can't find anything about the gameplay. I asked you what kind of game this was. And you couldn't answer me. I'm not even sure I, it's a game. I think it's a storytelling experience. Well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I wish I had the answer for that. There is deduction involved. I know that, right. that, that there's deduction, but I don't really know what that means. And in fact, when you look on the forums to see what's going on here, there's, yeah, you've got people that are interested and it's like, oh, I'm assuming this is a fully cooperative game. And they come on there and say, nope, it's not. <laughs> um, it says each player is going to win or lose the game independently of the outcome of the story so it is you know there's a story going on here but how involved that story is are you actually reading one of these penny dreadfuls and trying to solve the mystery as you go i don't know any of those things i wish i did which that always makes me a little bit nervous like if you're not super excited about your game enough to give any information about it who knows but i think there's going to be a lot of people interested in the theme, but also interested in the connection that it has to Letters from Whitechapel. Because right. this, the best I can tell, it actually takes place more in like Whitehall, Whitechapel um, areas, uh, I, I guess, or at least that's where these Penny Dreadfuls came out. Maybe I'm not, I'm not positive. Little, little mm-hmm. unsure on that. All right, you're not excited. I'm, that's okay. Well, I, I'm interested. You don't have to be excited. It's not the yeah. Maple Town Jazz Club. That's right. Uh, but one thing I do find interesting is talking about games that are that are coming out here soon. T- uh, two things real quick, uh, two Kickstarters that Meeple Town may be interested in. One that launched yesterday and one that is potentially launching today, the day of this recording, Tuesday, November 7th. But yesterday, November 6th, Kalimala from Alley Cat Games launched on Kickstarter. Uh, and again, some of you may be excited about that. This is a remastering and deluxifying of the 20... 20- they say the 2017 classic area control worker placement game by Fabio Lopiano. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily a classic yet. Would you consider this game uh, a classic, a 2017 classic? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe a newer classic, I guess. I don't know if I'd put it in the classic category. Okay. I, well, if... Yeah. Go ahead. I, I cannot. I have to tell you this. <laughs> Anytime Kali Mala comes up, comes up as a title of a, of a game... My mind immediately goes to Indiana Jones and the guy that's like trying to take his heart out every time. (laughs) And I hate that. I wish I didn't, but I don't think this game has anything to do with Indiana Jones or ripping somebody's heart Uh, out. If it did, I might be jazzed about it, but I am not. This is just strictly reporting in the news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) So again, this is a rebalancing of the game. Uh, If you liked Kalimala in the past, uh, it does have new beautiful art by Ian O'Toole, nicer components. It now plays two to five players instead of three to five. And there is a, it's a little confusing how they talk about the different editions, but the Kickstarter edition does have new dual layered boards and a new expansion that also has some asymmetrical powers in it. So those are a few of the changes 
in this newer edition uh, than from the 2017 version. Uh, and th- th- this is from the BGG page. Uh, real quick, if, if you're unfamiliar with the game, uh, I found the action selection uh, mechanism kind of interesting. So here's what they say. It says, depending on the number of players, each player has a number of action discs. And in turn order, they can put one out of space between two actions, performing both actions and activating all the other discs on the same space. That sounds kind of interesting, I think. And then it says, when the fourth disc is placed on an action space, the lowest one is promoted to the city council, which then triggers scoring. Um, so there's the the discs, which are no longer discs in this game, they're actually like uh, different or artistically detailed wooden tiles, I believe, are, are placed in the way it triggers the different actions around it. This does sound like uh, an interesting game. If you are considering this, there it's going to retail for, or the, at least the retail edition is going to be $48. The deluxe edition is $59. And the collector's edition, which has sleeves and a playmat, is going to be $86. Dollars and that will seem like a bad deal. It's beautiful. It's really not. Yeah, for for a nice euro these days, that's pretty decent, decent pricing. It will close on the thirtieth, and expect to deliver in September of next year. Yeah, that that's that's one that I'm interested in actually. Um, with with Rado's uh, playthrough that he did on that, mm-hmm. I was really excited about how they. Um, I guess they. You you said when you said about the different things that it has. Did you say the two player? I missed that part. Yes, uh, okay. the, the okay. old version was three to five. This one is two to five. Yeah, apparently there was a, if I understood this right from the Rado video that I watched on this, that there was a somebody that came out with a two-player variant for this that might be the one that they used in the game. Mm. But okay, don't don't quote me on that because I'm not positive. But But anyway, he seemed to be very excited about it because of a lot of other people that were really excited about um the the two player variant apparently it's really well done is is the way I understand that so awesome. that's that's cool I I am not backing as much stuff lately but I hope somebody that I know backs this because I'd like to play it I am hoping the same because I also will not be backing it so if that was a hint at me uh, you'll be disappointed <laughs> also coming out like I said a new game uh, that may be hitting today could be coming out any minute now this is from the Wingspan. Great, uh, the great wingspan designer Elizabeth Hargrave and Mark Wooten, and with art by Beth Sobel. This is Undergrove coming out by AEG. Uh, in Undergrove, you are a towering evergreen with an ancient symbiotic connection to the fungi in your forest. As new mushrooms appear, your options expand for converting nutrients and helping your seedlings. Using cube conversion, tile placement, area control, and a tiny bit of engine building, you'll need to claim the most advantageous locations and optimize your actions to leave the best legacy in the forest. That's that, that's from their uh, uh, their BGG page, and yeah, so mushrooms are hot these days. People having fun with the fungi, and from what I understand, um, Elizabeth Hargrave, this is one of her passions. You know, she's even a bigger mushroomer than birder. So I know a lot of heart and soul went into to this one, as does in all of her all of her games. Are you excited about Undergrove at all? I'm excited about a new Elizabeth Hargrove release. Okay, and the fact that it is this theme for her, because if you if you follow her on social media, she talks a lot about for years has talked about um, mushrooms, which is <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to get for me as somebody who's not in that world. Right. I mean what are you going to say? You know, like how excited can you get about mushrooms? But I know people are 
crazy about yeah. mushrooms. So th- they did a good job of the description. Maybe I don't know. It's still mushrooms. I don't. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know. It's not going to an island where no one has returned and these monsters are great and there's, you know, amazing treasures. I'm sure there's mushrooms on that island too, but I, I don't know. The theme does absolutely nothing for me. Although that Morals game, Morels, Morels. Yeah, Morels, yeah. I like that game. I think it's fun. This is probably nothing like that game, but it is mushrooms, so who knows? Who knows? But Elizabeth Hargrave, is this is a I would imagine a passion project for her because she is passionate about that and she's a great designer. So that I'm excited about. Yeah. I don't know if this one will take off like Wingspan did in some ways just because it's not a Stonemeyer game. I feel like it being a Stonemeyer game kind of helped the cult following of that one take off. But I do believe this will be a huge game because again there are so many mushroomers Shroomers? I don't know what you call them, but those who collect mushrooms um, are also a big part of this of this hobby as well. I think it will take off. Uh, I think it's going to do great. I never would have thought I was interested in foxes either, but um, I backed the fox experiment and that should come in any day. And I'm super stoked about that one. I think that is my favorite game of hers so far. And I saw this one at Gen Con and just got to look at it and heard somebody talk about it. And uh looks like it'll be fun. It'll be cool. We shall see what it does. I'm sure it will do very well. And um, so, yeah, so if you're excited about that one, check it out on Kickstarter. It should be there by the time you hear this podcast. Yeah, good. I'm I'm excited to see this one. I think it actually looks good. If you look at the pictures of the yeah of the game board and all that, I, I think it looks I think it looks pretty cool. So anyway, that is it for the news. If you have news items that you want to send to us, I'm, I'm transitioning. This is what Secret Cabal does. But also we want to know your your news, but also we really want your questions in the mailbag. And so just email us anything. Questions about news items, questions about, you know, life, board games, happiness, the secret to a good smash burger, anything. We can give you advice on that on the podcast. So send that to MeepleTownMail at gmail.com. Coming up next is our MeepleTown Hall. Town meeting, town meeting, Meeple Town, welcome to our second Meeple Town Hall, um, a time where we come together with a topic to discuss. We we take input from you and, and we discuss this, and normally these kind of conversations are things that, that impact or shape all of us in some, in some way, you know, so, some form or fashion, and, and sometimes there will be very um, directly related to board gaming. And sometimes that may be board gaming adjacent. And so I felt like this one was an important one for us to talk about here, especially considering it's, it's episode 150, you know, we're kind of celebrating this milestone and celebrating five years of, of Meeple Town, you know, where we are trying to build community through board gaming. And so we wanted that to be part of our conversation today uh, for us to talk about with you and respond to you and and maybe th- these conversations continue whether that be on in discord or or x or or the guild but we want to talk about the idea of community what community is and you know how do you go about building community in board gaming or through board gaming you know what does that look like for you is that important for you does this does this even matter you know and, and thinking about this i was thinking about the idea of community and what it actually means and so 
again, a simple place to, to start that conversation is with the, the dictionary. And so just two real quick definitions of community that may kind of help, I think, seed some thoughts for our conversation today. And that is, you know, a community is defined as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Okay, put a pin in that. And then also it is defined as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So here, again, here at Meeple Town, we're trying to build some community through board gaming. And so, Dean, I know this has been an important uh, conversation and part and part of your life uh, and the life of Meeple Town here for the five years. Anything you want to kind of start off by, by saying in regards to this idea of community building and gaming? Yeah, I like... Um... <laughs> The the second definition that you gave, a feeling of fellowship with others, I would say that it is more than a feeling. And mm. if you heard me say that without singing the song in your head, <laughs> I applaud you. But for the rest of us, that's going on in our minds right now. But it is, it is this, uh, we, we, we want to have a space where we have a particular common interest, um, you know, something that, that, um, evokes again like it says those feelings of of fellowship um all around this interest but the interest is in in what what i like to see in a community regarding board gaming is the interest itself isn't the goal but it's it's kind of a a vessel to get you there you know like i i think of the communities that i'm a part of around board gaming and board games always that central part of the conversation, but it's not for me. It's not like the thing that I desire more than anything else. For yeah. me, it is the community. For me, it's the relationships. For me, it's it is um, the camaraderie. All of those things for me don't take a second. You know, don't take the 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 second seat in this. I think that the board game itself is is like that second chair, whereas this other stuff is really the goal for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, one of the the aspects of, of gaming that I love so much are the conversations that will come up like during the game or after the game. You know, I'm thinking about like, like that. We had some students over to the house uh, around Halloween, to, um, on Halloween night, and we were playing, you know, we just played a few simple card games. and but talked for another hour or so afterwards just because one sort of led into the other, you know? And so the, the community really became the focus of what was going to be a, a game night, which is strange for me to say, and I know this would sound weird, but so when I got into gaming, I know I talked about this probably back in episode uh, 132, we were doing like, you know, my, the, the games that got me into the hobby, but you know, I didn't really get into the hobby until 2019 right there before the world blew up with, the pandemic. And, but as I was getting into it, I was getting all these games. And one of the main reasons why I started buying all these games, because it often happens when someone gets into the hobby, I'll suddenly start buying everything they can see. But one of the main reasons I wanted to do that was because all of a sudden I was excited about having people over mm -hmm. to the house. And that's not always a thing for me being as introverted as someone can be. Uh, I often find social situations and being with others draining. You may think that's weird for a minister, but that's that's more common than you think. You know, we have to really kind of budget our our time and our energies. And but all of a sudden, here was a a way to be involved and be with people where you didn't feel like you had to 
to fabricate something or create something. Um, it was just, here's this thing that we can do and you just trust to see where it goes, you know, or uh, as I might say, you might trust to see where the spirit leads <laughs> and that, you know, but it, it was a common point that brought you together. But like you said, that wasn't the, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the end. That was just the door opening. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It, it, it definitely does. It's interesting. Now this is something as we go and we, we talk about uh, what other people have to say this and Darren, uh, did a great job of kind of categorizing all these different things that, that people were talking about. One thing that that didn't come up that I saw was solo gaming in this. And I did want to I, I want mention briefly solo gaming because sometimes there is this stigma against solo gamers that I've seen <laughs> online about like, why, you know, do you do this because you don't have any friends or is that, you know, <laughs> right. But I think when I think about board gaming, oftentimes we sit around sitting or we think about sitting around a table, having these great conversations with other people as we're playing. But one thing that we can miss from that is the solo solo gamers can also be a part of the community because you're playing the games and then connecting with people and talking to people about these. And so the community isn't necessarily just focused on what's happening around the table but it's happening in this this meta space you know it's happening outside of that and it it happens in the conversations it happens in sharing this commonality with other people that have played similar games all of that so that does come out in our conversations the idea that the community isn't just what happens while you're sitting around the table but there's something else going on that creates this community through a commonality and through the conversations that we have about these specific board games. Yeah, that's interesting too, because again, the community doesn't have to be just sitting there at the table. You know, like you're saying, like even as like you said, a solo gamer, they're a part of this. And who knows that doesn't create other conversations and connections elsewhere, you know, outside of that and in the workplace and, you know, anywhere, you know, you can, you can be that even if, and I doubt there's, I don't know if I know anyone that's strictly a solo gamer, but I know solo gaming can be a big part of, of someone's life. But yeah, even if they were, there are still those connections that can be drawn and made because like you said, they're part of the meta community in that point. Or at yeah. That point. And, and there are, there are lots of people that are just the solo gamers and I know some of them, but you know, I picked on solo gamers, but it actually is, it's a lot of different facets of the hobby. There's, yeah. there's, the painters, you know, people who paint miniatures, that that becomes its own separate hobby. And there's this community built around that part of the hobby. It's Evan Halbert will bring this up a little bit later in conversation, but designers, you know, designers have their own community. Uh, content creators have their own communities. There's all these different communities that have, that pop up all surrounding this big umbrella of board gaming. But there's more to it than, again, like we keep saying, just sitting around the table. So let's look at some of the comments that people had to say, because I think it starts to pull out some of these other different facets that we're talking about here. I think with, I'll read this this one, Darren, where uh, I'll, I'll kind of go through these categories, I guess, that, that you've brought up, which I think are really helpful. But um, one piece of this is bringing people into the hobby. Steve O'Rourke says, I think it means sharing the things that you love in hopes that others will love it as much, uh, you know, as, as much as you do. So there's this, uh, this element of, of, I have this thing, this community or this, or this 
hobby or whatever that I'm a part of. And I want to bring other people into this in the hopes that this is something that they're going to be very passionate about. Again, it might not be the same things that you're passionate about. It could be they get more excited about painting or solo gaming or Euro gaming or whatever. But I want to bring them into this place because I'm really excited about this thing and I want other people to have excitement about this thing as well. Yeah, and I, I really love that. And and kind of like all things, you know, there's there's almost always a, a potential flip side of that too, right? Because I, I know Steve's not talking about this, so we're not talking about this. We're not necessarily talking about recruiting people into the hobby, you know, to... Like, I feel like our goals and our intentions are very important in something like that. If our goal of sharing what we love with someone is for us to have a new gaming partner or for someone else to get into the hobby, almost like a Cthulhu cult or something, um, your goal can definitely shape your practices. If, if it's about, if it's strictly about us and fulfilling our needs in the community, then we're not going to necessarily treat that person as part of the community. We're going to treat them as something, again, as someone who can be a means to an end for us, (laughs) you know, but if the goal is connection, if the goal is a flourishing community, then that too will shape how we share those things that we love. If if that makes sense. I know that can sound like I'm splitting hairs there, but man, the, the difference is phenomenal. You can see, and you can watch, you can hear some people talk about if your goal is strictly to just have someone else for you to play with, but you're, you're just consuming that person, you know, but if we really want to be connection and if our if our goal is the um you know the 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 best for others and and the goals of others and that's care, encouraging and supporting and sharing um, yeah then that becomes a beautiful thing uh, because there's something i think that's sort of innate in most of us where gaming is a part of all of our lives and we just need the right way to open that up for us yeah Yep, I, I agree. Now, I'm going to use a quick example outside of gaming real fast to kind of solidify what you're talking about. But my my son, who's in middle school right now, you know, you battle a lot of that loneliness, isolation things in middle school and, you know, the the questioning, you know, where do I fit in, that sort of thing. Well, one of the things I, I wanted my, I want my kids to think about is not just about where you fit in that, but what about the other kids? And so... Mm-hmm. So I, from the very beginning of this year, I told my son, I want you to be looking for those people who don't have community, who don't have others that they're hanging around, and I want you to include them. And and so he told me one day about this kid that's sitting by himself in the lunchroom for a while, and he was like, uh, you know, he kept telling himself, oh, I should go ask him, and then talked himself out of it. And eventually he did, and this kid's been hanging out with him ever since, and he said, Dad, I'm real glad I I did this, but I really dropped the ball by not doing it for so long, which is, you know, that is the way that I feel like this hobby could be hmm. because I, I think there's lots of people out there that are like that kid sitting in the lunchroom in middle school that don't have anyone to hang out with. You know, adults, it's really difficult to make friends as an adult that somebody says later on in the in their comments. It's true. It is difficult. And so this is an easy vessel to say, hey, come be a part of this thing with me and, and we can, you know, encourage one another. We can do life together, that sort of thing. And, and this is the, the, the place that we meet together. But again, not for, you know, we want to have the biggest gaming group in all the land, but no, because <laughs> there is a need that, is, that yeah. this person has. And I want to be a part of meeting that because I think community is important. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's that's awesome. And it reminds me of something that that Steve also said there in the Discord 
where he says, you know, you're not just sharing this with people who seem to be like you uh, from the same group or background, but it means making room for others to find a place at the table. As a social personality psychologist, this boils down to how lots of people we might think of as different from yous become us. Mm. You know, many me's make a bigger we. I love that idea, you know, that it's not just you and you and you. It's not the others, but it's us. How do how do they become we? Um, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's that's Steve beautiful. Is Steve is such a great person for like understanding that whole system. I mean, it's what he does for a right. career, but also just in life, he's really good at at that very thing of of you know, if somebody is kind of that feeling, I'm just a you, I'm not an us. He's really good at kind of um, involving them into that that us community. Yeah. And then Nick Equilibrium, uh, this is Nick Hayes that says, community in my opinion is built when you can bring different people together and have fun. I've been places and played games with people I had nothing in common with and we can still have fun. And then later on in that comment says, you know, we can have all different types of people. We can have Christians and Muslims, Republicans, Democrats, um, conservatives, liberals, men, women, different races. We can enjoy each other's company. Post-COVID, there's very few communal experiences anymore and we sorely need them. They're integral to society. And I think that gaming, especially board gaming in person around a table can be a huge positive um, part of that and, and then foster a sense community that we're lacking. Again, it's it's this thing that is innate within us that you talked about earlier. Community is is something that we're we're born to be a part of the community. We're not born to be in in my opinion. I think that we're yeah. that we're born to have that desire to be some part of something that's bigger than us and it's not just a bunch of views, but it is we's. I, I think that's important. And board gaming just becomes this place that we can do that in a world that in a world that <laughs> that doesn't have a lot of those spaces we create a lot of individualism through the old man dean's going to talk about cell phones and technology but <laughs> really i mean there's places for community to be built in that we'll talk about that in a minute but a lot of that is used for isolation and, right. and to keep us separate from communities whereas board gaming isn't that it's like living in the 1800s right without the technology well, so i just talked about return to dark tower so some <laughs> of it's got technology but it's not it's not necessary i guess yeah the again this idea of us being designed uh for a community you know and, and and i know we would say you know that's that's just modeled that's being modeled after after god after the trinity you know this this communal being that empties oneself into the other for the sake of the other, you know, that kind of mutual love that is shared, you know, that's part of, um, you know, what, what we would believe is kind of just our, our makeup. And so it's beautiful to, to see some of, some of that happening in the, the gaming space where the table, which has historically been a symbol for friendship and fellowship kind of becomes the center of that. And I love that idea, whether that's through a meal or whether it's through gaming, that kind of thing could be important. You mentioned, you know, again, we're we're living in an age, or at least, you know, Nick mentioned living in an age where, where communal experiences are hard, friendships are hard, uh, especially the older you get. Uh, we, I know you and I see this with college students. Oftentimes, you know, oftentimes college students have such a core community, not not all the time. Again, loneliness is, is uh, endemic everywhere. Uh, but oftentimes those that find core community in those college years often lose that once they graduate and move on. Where do they find that? 
two of the places that I often hear <laughs> most is going to be like either in, in the religious communities and in gaming communities. Maybe that's just our, you know, students that we uh, have coming into our circles, but those are two of the biggest places where we see that. And it's hard to create friends when you're older. Some of you, you residents, you know this. Uh, it's hard for women. It's especially hard for, for men, the studies say, to have good, close, personal friends. Um, and so gaming is one of those things that I think historically has been important. For, it's not the only way, but it is, I think, a big way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it, again, lots of people on here agree with the, with the idea that... Um, that it can be a place of making friends. I love that, that Sean, wicked cool Sean, if you, Sean is a local guy who sings the, the friends theme song and I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but you can sing it in your head. And that is, uh, I love that, that it's, um, <laughs> no matter what's going on in life, if our job's a joke or I'm broke or my love life's DOA. You said like, you weren't going to do it. Your, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not going to do it, but but it is true. No matter what's going on in life, you can kind of sit around a, a table and and at least escape for a little while from from this and, and with other people, not escape in what could be um, poor ways. But other people, I love this. That that uh, Tal Tal Seer, um, not sure if I'm saying that right. Said I met three of my closest friends through gaming, miniatures and boards in the early '90s, and then when I was in my 20s. And then we still game, but we also get together for family stuff just because we're friends. And there's a lot more to that, which I love. Like it's not the the friendships now morphed into this thing that's not centered around gaming, uh, around gaming, but they're friends first. And then they also like to get together and game, which I, I, I really enjoy how that um, has worked out. Captain, um, Captain Make, which is Eric says about building community, we're four people that meet every week to play. And these are now some of my closest friends I have, and I met them all as an adult. You know, there's a, there's a meme going around of the um, about meeting friends after thirty. You know how difficult that is, and I, mm-hmm. it's true. It, it is very true. It's difficult to meet friends at a certain age. You have to really put yourself out there, and one of the one of the places you can do that is is the gaming community. Yeah, I love how you kind of see both examples of that, of people who were friends that kind of gone into gaming and kind of helps foster that friendship or others that sort of started with gaming and then that blossomed into uh, close friendships. And and I know you've been, you've experienced that. Steve talks about that in the online community that that has grown up um, with you guys and the ChuckCon that, that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, earlier and just how, you know, Steve says that in the community you grow can now be long distance, you know, thanks to technology. I know, you know, we're both old men, you know, kind of borderline Luddites, but there is something beautiful that technology can do. Almost all things are great as long as they're ordered properly. And technology can do a great thing of pulling people together. And Steve talks about that. You know, it allows, it allows you to connect um, with people that are, that are distant from you, that um, that you're not just living next to them by, by accident. And it allows you to find friends further away. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that as he's talking about the Chuck's gateway and the, the filler game group that have come about and the friendships yeah, you, that were made heard in me that? Talk about it a ton. You know, we, we get together, we play games online and we talk really the conversations they have, you know, we'll say, Hey, there's this cool game that came out. I think you would really enjoy this. Check it out. That sort of thing. But a lot of the conversation at this point is just kind of morphed into whatever, you know, the, um, uh, sharing old stories and videos of Topher is something that we've been doing over the past week. And it's been really yeah. cool to see that. And this is a group that popped up during COVID, which a lot of us were needing community in this 
help fill that void. I will say though, with the online community, it's cool. I, I really enjoy it. And it's something I have become very passionate about. I used to be old man Dean about it, but I see very much the value in it now firsthand. But it really does pale in comparison to being with each other in person. Yeah. And and so when we were able to get together, it's next level. You know, it, it really, it really was to be able to uh, Topher is a great example of that. I mean, Topher and all, I talked a lot online, but then to be able to see this person, uh, you know, it gave me that much of more a love and appreciation for Topher to be able to meet him in person. Same with Steve and BJ and Eric and all, all these people, Kelly and Verla. Really, uh, there's something special about meeting people in, in person. Now, it, it has the potential to backfire too. They could have been awful, awful people. Thankfully, they're not. Most of them aren't. Um, couple of them were no i'm just kidding bj's fine but but it really you know you have that potential of uh are they going to be as great in person as they are online and and the fact is they were much better which is it's cool but i i do think online community is interesting and very important has become very important to me but i i desire more than just that online community yeah and you know that makes me think of what uh what what and you referenced what evan halbert had said earlier and and he talks about you know they're on the guild where he, he sort of spanned both gaps, you know, having this friendly local game store where he had the opportunity to foster and create some community there in person and how beautiful that was, as well as creating a YouTube channel because being a game designer, he created the channel to sort of help support other designers and talking about the relationships that were built through there and the the benefit that gaming community can have. He talks about how they're not rivals or competitors, you know, mentioning these fellow designers, but they're a community who promotes, supports, and celebrates the successes of others. Man, isn't that great, you know, where we can where we can do that. And then he says, in a world where investor <laughs> profits are prioritized over communities where we are increasingly isolated and harried in our day-to-day lives, gaming can be a refuge and provide hope, community, and meaning for many. Board gaming is a special industry, and he's super honored and humbled to be a part of it. Well said, Evan. Yeah, and and I do think that that is unique to this interest industry. Not all hobbies or industries are as or have the potential to be as welcoming. There's you know there's some dark blots in our in our for sure industry as well. You know some areas of competition and stealing ideas and things like that that aren't as positive. But I would say overall. You know, I, I've had a couple of game ideas and, and told Evan and the J Bell, you know, hey, I've got some ideas. I'd love to be able to do this. I have no qualms sharing those with those guys, knowing that they're not going to try to steal those ideas. One, because they're probably bad ideas. But two, <laughs> because I, I know that they're just good people that want to see good games made, even if they're not, you know, even if it's not like getting the credit for it, but they just do a a part of it to be able to be part of the conversation. I love that. And I love that Evan, who is a game designer and Jay Bell, who is a game designer, they, they share that. And I see it firsthand in the way that they interact with others and, and want to build each other up and see other people have all these successes, you know, you know what I mean? Like uh, they just, I love that. I love seeing that lived out. Um, Peter shot is, is, has an interesting take too, who says, you know, with our schedule, I don't get, I don't get out much into the broader gaming world, a couple of local game nights, things like that. Um, but it's just not something that he can prioritize over spending time with the family um, when they do get those moments. You know, when we do have time, I don't, I want to spend that with my family and that might not be something that they're into. But the cool thing about Peter Schott is he, he seems to find community 
mm-hmm. in the board gaming community, even if you're not necessarily playing a lot of games, which I, I think is pretty fascinating. I have one of my students who is in the skater community. He's a big skateboarder. And one of the things he talks about, or they call them posers in that community, and I guess that has more of a negative connotation than what I'm talking about. But one of the things he says is one of his closest friends, he loves talking to skating about and the skating culture and boards and you know skating videos, all of these things. But that guy is not a skater at all, but he's still welcome in that community. Now, I would say that is even more so in the board gaming community, and we don't call them posers, and that's not what that is, because... If you never play a game, you just like to talk about games, you're part of this community. You're part of this hobby. If you only like to play Monopoly, if you only like to play one of my favorites, Yahtzee, you know, you're still a part of this community in the best of it. You know, sometimes we have gate gatekeepers and we want to keep those people out. They're not part of our community. And that is absolutely not true. If you have any kind of, you know, affinity to board games, whether that's playing them, talking about them, whatever style that is. We, I want you to know that you're welcome, you know, and I love that about the, the, that this can be that community. Um, anyway, I, I think that's a lot. That's a lot. We covered a lot of different things, right, Darren? Yeah, we did. We did. And that, and that is one of the beautiful things because there is so much depth to this. We talk about deep games, you know, but this is a deep, a deep topic that I think we will continue to explore. You know, one of the things that you're talking about, I really enjoy about this hobby again is, and I know there's lots of great things about all hobbies, you know, and there's all positive. Some of the same things we're saying about board gaming can be said about just about any type of hobby. But one of the things that you can't say about all of them is that this is a very approachable one from a financial cost. <laughs> you don't have to go in and all the, and all the Kickstarters and everything that, that we talk about. You can just, if you just know someone that's got a game, you can be a part of this community without ever spending a dollar. Maybe it's fair to bring some snacks or drinks or something from time to time if you're playing with someone. But um, I wish you would have told me that about 10 years ago. <laughs> that would have been helpful. I thought you do have to spend half your income in no, this hobby. No, you, you really don't. The community is free. Okay, going back to Meepletown, we're going to wrap this up, Darren. I want to hear your thoughts. Looking at Meepletown, we say that this is a part of of who we are. This is our I, not just a, a tagline, but we want this to be a part of our identity and mission statement. But but to build community through board gaming, are are we doing that? Can we do that better? You know what are what is what does that look like? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, to which people town, we would love to hear some input from yes. from you on that. You know what that can look like. Uh, what what you want to see in this community that we are are building kind of in the kind of a sub community as part of the greater board gaming community. Um, hopefully the messages that we have here, hopefully these are positive and encouraging and hopefully uh, we have open avenues and venues for people to, to share and talk again, discord being the the easiest to communicate right now directly, but through the mail, through, through other uh, online avenues through the guild, you know, communication can, can happen, but that's just part of it because we're not all, together. But right now that may just have to be, you know, looking for moments where, uh, where we can be together. You know, I'm hoping that at least for those in, in Nashville, that sometime over the Christmas holidays, you know, we can have some type of get together uh, there at game point or something where if anyone is local, you know, to be able to do that, I'm hoping that some days, you know, we're going to conventions and various locations. And if we have, you know, residents there that we can be together and spend some time, you know, have a meal, play a game, you know, whatever. Um, we want to be Maybe available. even creating a convention. <laughs> Maybe even I, I keep getting lots of requests for that. And I'd, I would love to someday make that work. That's right. Time. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So let's keep that conversation going. What can this look like, Maple Town? What, um, what, what is working for you? What do you need from us? Uh, how can we be um, better facilitators of of this? I don't know. What about you, Dean? Yeah, I, I, there's always work to be done. You know, I, it does make it a little more difficult that Darren and I, uh, we've been friends for years, but we also live in, you know, a few states away from each other. So we don't even get to see each other that much in person, maybe four or five times a year mm-hmm. at, at best, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we would like to have more of that in-person you know, community that we have. Yeah, I, I think Discord is a big part of what we do, what we're trying to do to create that community. It has been other things in the past, but I think Discord seems to be the best environment to create that online community. Um, but I, I do want to have more in-person meetups. I want to be able to do a Meeple Town Con at some point. Um, even if it's not like a con, even if it's just like more of the game days that are planned farther in advance so people can make it a you know if you're not too far away if you're a couple hour drive away you can come in and game with us for for a a day long time or something like that you know but anything that that we can do to create community i will say darren one of one of the things that i would say that people would say about me is that i am a good listener this isn't like me patting me myself on the back it is just it's something that I, i feel like i'm i'm gifted in and I have had lots of opportunities for people from Meeple Town to come and talk to me, uh, to be a listening ear. I've had several reach out to me outside of, you know, anything that's going on in the board gaming world and just say, hey, really love to talk to you about X, Y, or Z. And I've had a good opportunity to, to meet those people, um, sometimes in person, sometimes uh, online, Zoom or whatever. But any way that we can create community or be a part of, you know, assisting community members, we want to be able to be those people for you. So feel free to reach out to us. If, even if it's just like, I just want to talk about this thing that's weighing heavy on me, or if it's something I want to share that I'm excited about, whatever that is, we want to be people that are, are, are fostering a healthy community. And if there's something we're doing either knowingly or unknowingly that makes you feel like you can't be as full a part of a community. If if any of that's the case, please lovingly let us know that too, so we can so we can address those issues as well. Because we do, as we said, want everyone to feel welcome and feel a part, um, not just uh, to enjoy the hobby, but just to have a good and flourishing life. And so, if we can help be a part of that, you know, we want we want to be able to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that does cover it all on this topic. Thanks for listening to us for this long about this topic that is very important to us and hopefully to you as well. But if you would like to get in touch with us, you can connect with us through the uh, through email. That's uh, meepletownmail at gmail.com. You can connect with us on social medias at, me- at Meepletown Games on X, Instagram, and Facebook. Connect with us through the Meepletown Guild, boardgamegeek.com, guild number 3407. And then probably most importantly, and the better way to connect with the community as a whole is to connect to the Discord. And you can do that most easily through the guild at 3407. So until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. All right, Darren, here's to five more years.